Happy New Year, Father's House. I'm Pastor John, and I'm so glad you made it. If you're watching this with somebody, tell them, congratulations, you made it to 2021. I know there was lots of times during 2020 when we were ready to wave the white flag and say, I'm done, get me out of here, Jesus, come, right? But we are going to talk about surrender. When I was praying for this year, uh, God gave me that word. I feel like this is the word, our way forward. So we're going to spend the first month learning what it means to surrender to the leading of our shepherd as we study Psalm 23. Before we jump into our study, I just wanted to remind you that there are three ways that we gather here at the Father's House. One is how you're doing it right now. Possibly you're watching this on YouTube or on Facebook Live. You also might be watching this with your house church. That's the second way we gather. And the third way we gather is outside right here at what we're calling the, the Father's Backyard. Um, as numbers continue to climb, we are praying for health and strength for you, your families, your loved ones, your friends, your co-workers, and we wanna do our part in making sure that we are caring for everybody. So we are meeting outside right here under the awning. And if you'd like to join us in person, we'd love to have you join us here. No matter how you're joining us, we're just thankful that you are. And we wanna thank you also for your giving. However it is that you're giving, whether it's through the mail or through our app or through PushPay, we just wanna thank you for your support. All 2020 was so many ups and downs and yet your continuous and generous and faithful giving of tithes and offerings has kept us going and getting the word out to whoever is seeking a way to find Jesus and to follow him. And that's exactly what we're talking about when we talk about Psalm 23. It's one of the most well-known Psalms. Even people that don't know the Lord, um, aren't, don't go to church, aren't familiar, they know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me down paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup is overflowing. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because goodness and mercy are following me. I mean, it's just... It's amazing, just that psalm right there. And it's yes, it's poetic and it's beautiful imagery, but it's actually incredibly practical. And so I'm thankful that you're spending a part of your New Year's celebration or New Year's journey jumping into what it looks like to surrender to the shepherd's leading. And it all starts with this truth. Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I love that. I lack nothing. When's the last time you just reveled in that truth? Did you wake up this morning, take a deep breath, and the knowledge that in Jesus Christ, you lack nothing? There is no need. He, he's not exaggerating. This is not hyperbole. Our God, in Him, when we abide in Him, as it says in the book of John, Chapter 15, when we abide in him, we are fruitful. We have everything that we need. We lack nothing. 
This is where I want to spend our time. In fact, we could spend our whole month of January just looking at what it means to live out the reality of lacking nothing, having everything that I need, not entering into 2021 with any fear of not having enough, no scarcity, because my God has all that I need. In fact, this is so important because if you think about it, every sin that you and I participate in is from a perceived lack of need as opposed to a pure trust in our shepherd's care. No, it really is. Think about your last sin. Oh, I know some of you guys are like really, really good. And so it's going to maybe like, maybe like two, three weeks ago. Think about your last sin. Mine was like a couple minutes ago, right? And I'm repenting for my sin. And usually that sin is a place where I don't trust the care of my shepherd. And so I'm going to make something happen on my own outside of his will, right? But if we lack nothing, if we truly trust his care, then of course we're going to surrender to him. And in fact, that's the word that I want to share with us as we move forward is that I'm really only in control of one thing. I can't control the outcome of 2021 any more than I could in 2020, but there's really only one thing I can control. And that's how quickly I'll surrender my cares to the one God who cares and is actually in control. This is good news for you and I, because we're not sure what's going to happen this year, but we are sure the one that is going to lead us through this year. He is our shepherd, and in him, we lack nothing. And this is really important, too, because the following three areas that we're going to look at, these are going to be areas that the enemy has tried to convince you and I, probably especially in the past year, that we lack or that we cannot trust God. These are areas where maybe you and I have tried to grab control of instead of surrendering control to the Lord. These are areas where we need to say no to the enemy, no to fear, so we can say yes to him. Let's go ahead and determine our giant yes to God. So our no's become a whole lot easier. And the first place that you and I need to say no to is no to the enticements. And Jesus is going to teach us how to do this. After Jesus was uh, baptized, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And he says no to three things. And he says yes to three things. And these are the things that you and I need to say no to and yes to. Now, what are enticements? Enticements, according to the the basic definition, it's used to attract or to tempt someone. It's a lure. It's a temptation. It's kind of colorful packaging and clever advertising. You know, it's like I... Every one of us probably has the same idea heading into the new year. You want to eat better. I remember this this last year, I was I'm like, I'm gonna eat better, right? I'm gonna eat healthy. And then I get this picture from a friend from McDonald's. And they they knew how much I loved bacon. And then McDonald's was you know advertising, add bacon to any order for free. Now, I didn't even really like McDonald's. In and out, yes, I'll take that anytime. Chick fil A, absolutely. McDonald's, only if I'm truly desperate. But now they add on a bacon hour. I mean, bacon is good. Free bacon? Are you kidding me? Now, I didn't even want bacon. I didn't want McDonald's before I saw this picture. And now everything in me was like, I need to I need to find my way somehow to go to McDonald's. That was not what I needed, but that's how enticements work, right? The the clever packaging that calls us to this. In, in fact, it, enticements will often come to the flesh through the familiar. 
If you and I are going to overcome the things that we've fell in and sinned in in this last year, we got to beware the familiar, the familiar advertisements, those cravings and the hungering. And in fact, every platform available wants to convince your eyes that you need this. Collectively, the top 200 advertising in the U.S. spent $137.8 billion in advertising, and that was back in 2014, so it's so much more now. The average American encounters... 3,000 commercials a day. That is insane. Inundating our senses, like this sign right here saying, you need this, it's attracting you, it's clever packaging, it's alluring, it's calling you towards that. And, and this is exactly what was going on with Jesus. Jesus had been led by the Spirit into the wilderness, according to Matthew 4, 1 through 4, and the enemy was going to try his first tactic with enticement. So after fasting 40 days, and 40 nights, this is like the ultimate understatement, right? He was hungry. That's a lot of time without bacon and any other food. 40 days and 40 nights. The tempter came to him. When does the tempter come? Oh, not when you're at your best. The tempter comes when you're usually at your worst. Usually when you're feeling down or you're feeling hungry or you're feeling tired, that's where Jesus was. Remember, he was 100% God but also 100% man, so he felt everything that you and I would feel, obeying God, fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and here comes the devil with his enticements. If you are the Son of God, notice how he just kind of breathes that little bit of doubt in there. Go ahead and prove it to me. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, could Jesus have done this? Absolutely. He was God. He can do anything that he wants. Should he have done this? No, because the Spirit of God had called him to fasting and prayer, which means no eating. So Jesus answered in verse 4, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Another paraphrase says, I'm hanging on every word God says. Now Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. And how did he know to quote that verse? Because though he wasn't eating physical bread, he was eating spiritual bread. That was the word of God. He was going over God's word, conversating with God. He'd been reading the Torah or God's word since he was a young man, just eating it up as the voice of his father. So he may have been physically emaciated, but spiritually he was strong and able to combat the tactics of the enemy, which was using enticement to get Jesus to disobey God's command when he was at his weakest point. He's going to question you when you are most vulnerable and most hungry. That's when the enticements are going to come. That's when it's going to play on our perceived need. Are you hungry for love and affection? The enemy is not going to tempt you if you're happily married right now. No, you know when the enemy is going to tempt you? Is when you have just got in a fight with your spouse. The enemy is going to tempt you when you have been uh, divided for a long period of time. The enemy is going to tempt you with other enticements, other relationships, possibly advertisements. Pornography sites are going to pop up, not when you're alert and ready and feeling close to God, but when you feel tired, when you feel alone, when your spouse is maybe away from home. Those are all the times when he tries to get that hook inside our cheek and pull us away from God. Now, what looks better, a rock or bread, right? Of course, bread. Bread is absolutely what we're going to want. 
And the devil knows that. So he's going to take this maybe for uh, a man who is, is being tempted to cheat on his wife, going to take this beautiful picture of a woman and compare it to maybe the, the spouse that's, that's having a hard time and, and hasn't been showing love or affection because she herself hasn't felt loved herself. And so he's going to try and do these comparisons. Don't fall for that. That's a false comparison. Remember, God has called you to have a commitment, a covenant commitment to your spouse for better and for worse. Jesus had made a commitment to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to eat for 40 days. Don't fall for the enemy when he's trying to do this, trying to get a foothold in your life. His flesh may have been enticed to create bread outside of God's will, but his spirit was feeding from the fresh bread of God. So how do you and I say no to the enticements of the flesh that are no doubt going to try and follow us into 2021? We're going to conquer the same way Jesus did by saying yes to fresh bread. We say no to enticements by saying yes to fresh bread. I love that. It was put this way. The Bible is meant to be bread for daily use, not cake for special occasions. Isn't that good? It's supposed to be for daily use. If you and I aren't filling up on the fresh bread of God's word, we're going to fill up on the junk food, right? On the, the bacon hour at McDonald's. We're going to fill up on the stuff that ultimately leaves us feeling guilty and regretting our decisions later. Can I just say, you're never going to regret reading God's word. You're never going to regret spending time with him. And so our community builder discussion question here is, I want to ask you to join me on a spiritual journey. We talked a little bit about this last week. And if you missed last week's message, can I encourage you to catch it on the Father's House YouTube channel? I spent some time talking about the importance of this tool, the Life Journal, and reading through it using the acronym SOAP, Scripture Observation Application Prayer. It's good to have a tool to keep you submitted to what it is that God's asked you to do and keep you committed to what it is that God's asked you to do in his word on a daily basis. And so we are starting a spiritual journey this month, January, uh, called Surrender to One in 2021. And so instead of surrendering to fear or surrender to enticements or the cravings of our flesh, we're going to surrender to our shepherd who says, hey, you lack nothing. And the best way to do that is the same way Jesus did it, is to fill up on the Word of God. And so if you want to join us, I just want to encourage you to uh, text SURRENDER right now where you're at to 760-334-5533. And you can either pick up your free life journal here at the Father's House or we'll send you one if you give us your information. We'd be happy to send you one. Well, when you text that, you're actually going to get a link to our daily reading program. We're going to read a little bit out of the Old Testament, a little bit out of the New Testament. And if you join us through the whole month of January, I promise you, you will be overcoming the enticements of the enemy because you're no longer going to be operating out of the need of your flesh. The flesh is always going to be needy. But what instead, we're going to be victorious because our spirit is getting everything it needs to be strong and tell the devil where he can go to really put him in his place. And here's the cool thing. We just talked about this last week. We already have 35 people that have texted surrender and have joined us in this spiritual journey for the month of January. And I would love it if we could just double that, even triple that here this Sunday as we launch into a brand new year. Let's put God's word first. He's inviting us to feed on fresh bread. He's got a fresh word for us 
every single day of 2021. Let's create some new spiritual patterns in our life by putting him first. And you watch. When the devil comes with his enticements, it's not going to have any pull on you or your heart. So first of all, let's say no to enticements. Secondly, let's say no to embellishments. The Definition for an embellishment is a decorative detail or a feature added to something, make it more attractive, something that is not true, it's kind of true, it's almost true, an exaggeration would be a way to describe this. And you can see the devil using this second tactic. The first one didn't work with Jesus, He's going to try this second one with Jesus, and he tries this with us as well. In Matthew 4, 5-7, through 7, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God. Again, breeding that doubt, trying to, trying to kind of subvert Jesus' identity as coming from God. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. In other words, hurl yourself off this temple for it is written, and this is just hilarious, exactly what the enemy does all the time. He's quoting Psalm 91 when he says, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Well, that's a, that's a brilliant tactic that, you, that the devil's been using ever since this temptation. He mixes in enough truth so that the lie sounds like truth. He, Jesus beat him in the last round when he quoted scripture, so now the devil's going to quote scripture back at Jesus. But Jesus answered him. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus is quoting out of Deuteronomy 6, verse 16. The devil had taken Psalm 91, that promise, out of context, and I can't even tell you how often that happens. A lot of times he, the devil packages a lie in a pretty bow. Sometimes it's covered in spiritual-sounding words, and many, many Christians are deceived because of these embellishments. Many Christians end up following the wrong leaders, believing the wrong things because they don't actually know the Word of God for themselves and they believe somebody that's taking it out of context. Hey, when you and I get into the Word of God, guess what? No one's going to be able to pull that on us. We're going to know that's a misuse of God's Word. Jesus absolutely knew this was a misuse of His Word. The truth is the best poison is 95% good. It's the 5% that's going to kill you. The best lie is 95% true. It's the 5% that's false. And it's why you and I, if we aren't familiar with the truth, we're going to fall for the lie every time. You see, the lie was this, that if he jumped off the temple... Everyone would see the angels catching him. And all the people would say, this is the Son of God. Right? That's what the devil was promising. It was an absolute lie because this was not what God was calling Jesus to do. He wasn't calling him to jump off the temple. In fact, it would be three years from this point, he would walk into the temple and flip some tables over and say, this is my father's house. Embellishment wanted it to all be about Jesus. Hey, look at me. But Jesus knew his mission was to say, no, look at the Father. You see, embellishment gets us to think about how we can look better. It's, it's why we lie. 
And if you find yourself embellishing or lying for the eye of those around you, it's because we haven't been enough in God's word. It's because we've bought into the lie that we need people to think better of us. So we're going to lie about things, right? We're going to lie or embellish or exaggerate certain things. I have this many followers on Facebook or I have this kind of success or this was my my past achievements. And, And though part of it may be true, maybe we're just adding on a little bit more, right? To make ourselves look a little bit better. This all flows from a false need of being seen instead of seeing God. Now, Jesus saw right through this lie, and so he didn't buy into it. And if you and I don't see through that lie, we end up lying ourselves. And maybe you're watching this going, John, that may be other people. I don't really have a problem with lying. Okay, I'm glad that's true of you. But this recent study was done (laughs) using a lie detector. It says 60% of adults can't have a 10-minute conversation without lying at least once. Did you hear that? Oh my goodness, that's an average of three adults, three lies per adult. They uh, played the tape back to the people that, that took on this lie detector test, and they were amazed at how much they lied. In fact, it just has become such a part of our culture to embellish, to add on, or to exaggerate. We don't even realize that we're lying anymore. of us lie on our resumes, which can I just say that's not a great way to start out a new job and building trust if you're lying about yourself. 90%, 90% lie on a dating profile. Now, don't get mad at me. This is the study. I'm just telling you what it said. Women, (laughs) they tend to lie that they are eight and a half pounds less than they actually are. And men tend to lie that they are taller richer and more educated than they actually are. Again, it's buying into the perceived need that I'm not good enough as I am, so I need to embellish, I need to exaggerate. And if we're lying about small things, the truth is that's just a couple steps away from lying about big things. We're lying about our dating profiles. That's a horrible way to start out a possible potential relationship. And the enemy would love it if we just continue to lie to make ourselves look better, to buy into the lie of our own worth, to think that God isn't enough for us. He doesn't have everything that we need. He hasn't given me all that I need, so I need to lie about what it is I actually have. And and before you vow to never trust anyone again, here's some food for thought. A study by the University of Toronto found that it's actually the most trusting people who are the best able to tell when they're being lied to. Jesus put his trust in the truth of God, not the lie of his eyes, and we must do the same. We must trust what God's word says about you, which is you are his sheep. He loves you. He laid his life down for you. You don't need to lie. Say yes to fresh perspective. Say no to the embellishments by saying yes to fresh perspective about how he feels about you, that every word matters. I mean, I, I tell my boys all the time that our, our word is our bond because, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll say a little bit uh, this or that about their, their grades and then I'll find out that it wasn't true and I'll be like, guys, if we don't have, people can't trust what we're saying in small things. They're not going to trust what we're saying in big things. Our word is our bond. You can take everything else away from us, but I want it to be true for the Burgess boys that when we say something, people know that it's true. There's no embellishment needed. Our word is our bond. And so our, our 
discussion question here is this. What are some ways that I can live up to the phrase, my word is my bond in 2021? If lying and that kind of thing was kind of a part of your way, embellishments was something that you were doing in 2020 because you bought into the lie that maybe you aren't enough, let's change that. Let's destroy that pattern. Let's look for ways to be able to put our trust in the fact that if God says we're enough, we're enough. If God says I lack nothing, then that includes my own identity, my security. And sometimes God's going to call us on stuff, especially if we've been in a pattern of lying. For instance, as I was working on this message, I was remembering this story of what happened when, uh, when this couple back in Hawaii had brought me some banana pudding. One of, one of my favorite things about being a pastor, of course, is when people bring me food because they know what a foodie I am. And this couple had told me about their banana pudding, and I'm like, wow, that sounds amazing. Now, they had actually brought it to church where I was pastoring at New Hope uh, on the weekend when I was uh, off island uh, ministering at a different church. And so I heard about the banana pudding that they brought, but by the time I, I found it, it was already bad, so I had to trash it. Now this couple comes up to me the next week at this service, and they're just like, Pastor John, we're so happy that we got to bring you that banana pudding. What did you think? And in that moment, I had this choice. I, there was lots of stuff going on in that moment. I could have just said, oh, you know, I didn't have a chance to eat it, but instead I said, you know what? That pudding was great. Thank you so much. And they walked away feeling really happy. And then I began to look at this word and remembering what it is I've said to my boys. And God gave me fresh perspective. He said, John, that didn't have anything to do with them. That had to do with you. You were looking for the most convenient way to not let them down, to not disappoint them. And that's all about how they view you and how you view yourself. You lied and you need to confess. And so I'm like, oh my goodness. So I had to go up to them and say, you know what? I am so thankful that you made me that banana pudding, but I have to admit, I didn't actually get a chance to eat it. And I got convicted from God, and I wanted to apologize for just saying that I did. And they said, oh my gosh, don't, don't even worry about it. Thank you for saying that. We'll let, let us make you another banana pudding, which was really kind. And I just said, yeah, I just felt really bad. And they said, hey, we'd much rather have a pastor that can admit when he fails than a pastor who goes around pretending that he never does. And isn't that the exact point of embellishment? People would rather have you be authentic about when you make mistakes than trying to embellish and pretend that you never do. So you and I have that opportunity to say no to embellishments, to say no to enticements so that we can say yes to everything that God has asked us to do. So as we follow the shepherd and understand that he has given us a life where we lack nothing, we can make sure that our yes is so big that these no's are much easier to say. No to enticements, no to embellishments, and no to, and this is the big one, no to entitlements. Whew, we live in a culture of entitlement. Entitlement is that condition of having a right to have or get something. The feeling or belief that you deserve something special. And it's that idea of I deserve when God has called us to say I serve. Right? It's flipped. 
God has called us to serve him, not, hey, I deserve some special privileges. And we have this idea that has worked its way into our culture, sadly, even into the church where we live based on entitlement. So the first two attacks from the enemy did not work. Those temptations flopped. The, in, the enemy fell on his face both times with enticement and embellishment. Jesus saw right through it. So he was going to try this third one with him. He's going to try entitlement. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, verse 8, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Jesus, again, was quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. You see, entitlement offers a shortcut to sacrifice. What the devil was trying to do was to circumvent the cross, to keep Jesus from going to the cross. And he was saying, hey, if you bow down to me, I'll have everyone worship you right now. You can skip all the pain and the hardship that you're going to face, all the persecution and the unjust treatment. You can take a shortcut, just bow a knee. I mean, what's the big deal? Right? And so he was playing into this that, Jesus, you deserve worship. You really do. And you should have it now. You shouldn't have to go and do anything else. Why should you have to wait? You can have it all, right? Isn't that the big promise? You deserve it all. That's the big lie of entitlement. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm sorry. I'm not here because of what I deserve. I'm here to serve. Notice what he says. He says, worship God and serve him only. There is a direct correlation between our worship and our serving of the Lord. The devil was trying to get Jesus to serve his own want or his own desire to be worshiped and to be seen, and Jesus wasn't buying it. He saw right through it. How do we say no the way Jesus said? How do we say no to the pride of temptation of entitlement. Jesus over and over was trying to make the devil understand. The devil was never going to see anything, but Jesus saw it all. He refused to bow to anyone but his father and his will. How do we say no? By saying yes to fresh worship. Fresh worship. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. There's a direct connection here. And when I find myself stuck on my title, that's what entitlement does. It causes me to think about my title, how people see me. What that does is that plays into my, my need to be liked and known and loved, to find a shortcut to something great that I want. Let's, let's just cut that out in 2021. Let's see right through that plan for entitlement. How do we do that? By serving, by doing the opposite of what our flesh wants to do. Entitlement says, I deserve. But God has actually called us to serve. Nothing puts a barrier against the temptation of entitlement like serving without any promise of promotion, reward, or recognition. And I just want to thank you guys, taking a moment to thank all of those house church leaders, you who are watching this right now, those in your house church, those in your family group, thank you for doing this, even though there are so many people that don't even know that week in and week out, you are serving people in your home and in that place, you are saying no to entitlement and you are worshiping God. You see, worship isn't just music that happens with a band. Worship is something that happens whenever you and I take that servant position that Jesus did. Instead of serving himself, 
Instead of serving the shortcut, he served the Father and was able to overcome that temptation. I want to thank each of you who have done that. And if you're interested in starting a house church this year, we're going to be launching a whole bunch more. And basically, they just take this message and they just show it and do the discussion questions at home. If you're interested in doing that, we would love to be able to talk with you. Just let us know in the comments below. I also want to thank our life group leaders, you know, all, all of those who take these journals. I think we have a, yeah, this is one of our, our life groups here. They just take these journals and they just join up with some other guys or some other women and they pick a time and a place every single week and we go through the Word of God together. I just want to thank each of you for serving people in this way. Don't underestimate how God uses you to keep people in God's word by just saying, hey, I want to start a life group. We're going to be launching a number of life groups this year as well. And if you're interested in doing that, all it takes is you and literally just one other person to say, hey, we're going to meet together at this time and we would love to be able to support you in that. Let us know in the comments below. I also want to thank each and every one of you who have worshipped God over the craziness of this last year. Sometimes we're in the building, sometimes we're outside of the building. And all of you have continued to be so flexible, so humble, and saying no to entitlement through this entire process. Whether you're those that are helping out with our our house kids that have been meeting outside, whether you're a part of our hospitality team, whether you're part of our, our, our uh, front lines and our youth, or you help us set up these tents and these, these chairs before services and after services, uh, helping out with our youth and, and our skate outreach that we have on Monday nights. All, you guys have been so generous and really overcoming that temptation to say, hey, I deserve to have something more comfortable. I'm so thankful that you have put God first in this. And I want to actually, as we end here, talk about how you and I can even be creative moving into 2021, different ways that we can worship God. So what are some creative ways that I can choose to worship Jesus outside the Sunday service? I think that, that has, that's our final discussion question, and that really is what 2020 taught us among the many lessons of last year. I think it taught us to understand that it's not Jesus one day it's Jesus every day, as we've made that the kind of the motto of the Father's house moving forward. How can we be creative in our worship to Jesus where we wake and work? Not just on a Sunday, but every day, looking to who we can serve and stick that entitlement where it belongs, right underneath our feet. So our shepherd says we lack nothing. So we can say no to enticements by saying yes his fresh word, his fresh bread. We can say no to embellishments by saying yes to fresh perspective and fighting for truth in every area of our lives. No more lies. And we can say no to entitlements by saying yes to fresh worship and obeying God's command to serve him in every area. Whether people thank us or not, whether they notice or not, I want you to know God notices. And I, as your pastor, want to thank you for the, that last year was an amazing way to jump in and get to know this incredible church. And I'm so excited to see what God's going to do with us in this brand new year. I truly believe our best days are ahead. Listen, if you would like prayer, we would love to be able to pray with you. We have a prayer team. All you got to do is text the word prayer to 760-334-5533. Also, if you're interested in being a house church leader, a life group leader, or finding a team to serve on the weekend services, you can just text the word CONNECT, again, to that same 
that same number, 760-334-5533, and we would love to be able to connect with you and all that God is going to do through you in 2021. Let's pray. So God, we're just so thankful for the shepherd's love. We're so thankful for the Savior's model of how to overcome the temptations of enticement, entitlement, and embellishment. God, we say no to those things and we say yes to you. We can't control the outcome of 2021, but we can surrender to the one who is in control and truly cares for us. So we say yes to you, to getting into your word every single day. God, we say yes to you, to having the fresh perspective that we don't need to embellish what we do. We don't need to pretend that we're something that we're not, because in you we are made complete and whole. And God, we just say yes to you and all that you've called us to do in serving you and serving the people around us. Thank you, God, for meeting us in this place. Thank you for a brand new year and to follow you and all that you have for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks again so much. I can't wait to continue this surrender adventure as we continue our study in Psalm 23 next week. God bless. I'll see you then.